All right. Um, good afternoon. I am very, very excited. Um, for those of you guys who don't know myself, I am Kia Nicholson. I am the owner and the founder of the organization This Ain't Easy Org. Um, and I have just started doing these type of cadences like we're going to do today, where um, we talk about those uncomfortable conversations. And um, today, I'm not going to actually be doing the conversation or the talking. I'm, I invited a special, special guest of mine. He's a very dear friend of, me, of mine. Um, and to speak on a topic that he had dear to his heart. Um, so I wanted to we spoke about this off off camera, so I wanted to give him an opportunity to speak, and I thought it would be something good for him to share. So I'm I'm gonna allow him to have the spotlight today on this. And if you could go ahead and introduce yourself, go ahead. Sure. Uh, well, Kia, thanks for having me. Like this is a real honor to be you know part of um, this organization. Um, my name is Ben Goodwin. I've been uh, I guess working with Kia, friends with Kia for uh, what, six years now, <laughs> something like that. It's been a yeah. while, five, six years. Um, so, you know, it's, it's uh, having watched this ain't easy kind of be birthed through everything has just been a real awesome thing to watch you kind of grow into it and to be, um, for it to become this, you know, big, um, production, I guess, this big uh, platform where people can come and actually be themselves and be their authentic uh, personalities of who they are. Um, so I applaud you for that. And, you know, it's just amazing to be a part of it. Thank you. Thank you for being a part of it. Sure. <laughs> You've been um, given your support since day one. So I want to <laughs> thank you so much for that. It's been so awesome. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so no, today, I mean, like one thing that's been on my mind this week, I guess, has just been um, that I find I think a lot of people find kind of an awkward thing to talk about is adoption. Mm -hmm. So um, so this is something that I think that your platform and your organization, this ain't easy. I think this definitely um, draws into that as an awkward conversation because a lot of people don't want to kind of bring up that subject of were you adopted? Were you not adopted? You know, what are the stipulations behind that? What do people think about it kind of a thing? Um, and so what I what I want to say first is that everything that I'm, I'm going to talk about today is purely my thoughts on it. So each person that kind of goes through um, something, whether it's traumatic, whether it's um, emotionally traumatic, physically traumatic, anything like that, each person's going to handle it differently, right? So um, what I talk about today is purely going to be my side of it. This is going to be my story of it. Um, so, you know, if you go out there and you find somebody else that uh, is struggling with something, you know, use your best judgment of how to approach them with it. Don't just dive yeah. in and be like, well, I heard this one thing. But, um, but yeah. Don't come after me about it. So. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's awesome. So yeah, um, I am adopted. So this is something that um, I've known for a long, long time. Both my sister and I are both adopted. Um, and uh, it it's definitely changed some of my outlook on life being adopted. Right. So. Um, I guess I can start at the kind of beginning of the story. Um, I was officially adopted before I was born, um, really. So I do not know my biological parents um, and my sister did not know her biological parents. Uh, my sister is six years older than me um, and we were both born in the same hospital um, and the attending physician doctor there uh, was the same for both of us as well. Same as Dr. Dirsch. He's uh, recently passed about three years ago, but he was somebody that um, I don't know if he was actually friends with my uh, my adopted parents um, or if he knew them through something. But 
uh, it was to the point where for as long as he was alive, he would send us, my sister and I like Christmas cards and like birthday cards and stuff. Like he was that kind of a friend of the family. Wow. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so, you know, I was, I was born back in, um, 1989. So, uh, this was before a lot of the legal stipulations happened with, uh, adoption. Um, and so there, it's a little bit different now, um, but back then they had what were called open and closed adoptions. And we still have something similar to that today, but mm -hmm. there is definitely more of a trace for it today. Um, back then, if it was a closed adoption, it was pretty much no information whatsoever was written down of the, from the birth family. Um, and so because of that, um, it makes it very difficult to trace back any form of lineage or medical um, information or anything like that back to back to the original birth biological parents. Right. Um, so, um, so I was adopted uh, in Indiana and moved in with my um, birth family, like I said, or my um, adopted family, like I said, before I was really born. Um, and then um, basically grew up knowing that I was adopted, um, but uh, but it didn't really kind of affect me until I was in high school. Okay? Mm. Uh, and then the question started. Mm. Um, and my adopted parents, um, who I think of just as my parents, um, they both are very supportive of me looking for my biological parents. They've been very helpful. They've given me all the information they know, um, in order to search for them. Um, and so that's been, you know, really great to have their support on it. Um, as a side note, I do know several, uh, other adopted children, um, where their adopted parents are not that supportive. They want the child to have nothing to do with their biological, um, yeah. And so that leads to a whole other problems. Um, but my parents, I'm very thankful for that they were very supportive of me looking for my biological um, family. And um, and so probably since my senior year of high school, I have kind of looked for my biological family. Wow. Um, so that's been uh, 14 years that I've been looking for them. Wow. Um, and never really had anything close to being able to find them. Uh, I found like a 23, in, like I did 23 and Me, tried to do a DNA search. They're not in any DNA databases. Mm. Um, and as I was kind of going through that and, and thinking about it more and things like that, um, I, for other reasons as well, started actually going to therapy um, for depression and uh, anxiety and things like that. Um, and while I was there, one of the things that my therapist started asking me about was my... Um, like my family history. Mm. And I told him I was adopted and things like that. And he, as we kind of unpacked a bunch of stuff, um, he was saying that one of the things that he think could, he thought could possibly be um, a cause for kind of internal anxiety or internal um, as a personality trait is the fact of um, a feeling of abandonment that early in my stage of life. Wow. So, um, so I was with my adopted parents, you know, within 24 hours after I was born. Um, and, uh, which means that I was taken away from my biological mother after having nine months of being inside of her, of being, um, supported by her and everything else. Um, and so that can leave an imprint 
on a child's mind, even though, you know, I was 24 hours old, um, that can still leave that imprint. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a reason why as soon as a woman gives birth, they pull the baby up and put it on her chest. They need that physical skin to skin contact in order to bond. And, um, and it's been really interesting. So this past year, you know, I, I guess it was, it's been almost two years now since it happened. Um, my wife was pregnant for, uh, nine months mm -hmm. with our daughter and seeing everything she went through with that pregnancy from morning sickness to, um, all of the, you know, health issues, um, to, um, just being exhausted all the time, even the little things, you know, carrying a, a, a human inside of you. I can't even imagine what that's like. Um, and she was exhausted from it as she should be. And so it really got me to think about like, you know, my biological mother did all that. All right. She went through all that. And like, I watched my wife, I was in the room when she gave birth, like had her body going through that transition, her body, you know, seeing the emotion on her face, seeing the pain that she was going through on her face, even though she had an epidural, but like, still that that intense pain and pressure of of forcing that i'm not i'm that's about as much as i'm going to talk about that because i don't i'm i don't have the body in order to talk about that i feel like you need certain genitalia in order to do that <laughs> um but like but she did it and my birth mother did that right mm -hmm. and that creates a bond yeah and so when when my birth mother had me the doctor immediately would have taken me and put me on her chest, mm -hmm. the bond, because that's what they do with mothers. That's like standard practice. Mm -hmm. um, so for a couple hours, my birth mother held me. Mm -hmm. She had me. Um, and then she gave me away. Yeah. And so then the questions start, why did you give me away? Yeah. If you spent so long and so much pain and so much tiredness and all of the sickness and all of the aches and everything that goes on with birth. And then at the end of it, you give it away. Mm. You know, the question is always why? For sure. And that's hard because it could be a very good reason why she did it. Yeah. Maybe she was too young. Mm. And, you know, if she was know 15 16 and she knew that she couldn't provide a life for me and she knew it was going to be better okay right. um that's a good reason you know maybe it was some other trauma like maybe it was one of the things that i've thought about was you know maybe it was like a rape mm. and like that's another taboo subject that nobody wants to talk about but like if you're a woman and i've talked to my wife about this if you're a woman and that happens to you it would be a reminder every day you don't want that and that's not good for the child either Mm -hmm. And so that's another reason. So there are many good reasons out there, I think, that can be as to why somebody would give up their child. Yeah. And I am by no means against putting a child up by adoption. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm part of that. Like, I, I believe that women are strong and women need to do what's best for them. Yeah. Right. And that's, that's important. Mm -hmm. But I think what people don't think about is what is that child going to think 16 years from now mm -hmm. if they find out about it? So I guess my encouragement to people would be like, if, if you are going to put a child up for adoption, great, you know, make sure they go to a loving home that, you know, is going to love them and care for them. You know, if at all possible, keep them out of the system because our system sucks. Yeah. Um, but like, you know, do that for them, but at least give them a trail. Yeah. Give them some breadcrumbs to go back on. Um, and it may be that they don't want to. Each kid's different, right? So like, I, again, you know, I already spoke of a friend that their uh, adopted parents weren't supportive. I have another friend that doesn't want to know his biological parents. Mm. He's bitter about them. Mm -hmm. He was like, well, they clearly didn't care about me. So I'm just going to say F it and I'm not going to talk to him. Mm. And that's, Kind of the opposite 
side of what is probably in should be going on in the head. Yeah. Um, each person handles it differently, though, and that's okay. Each person is going to be where they're at. Um, and it's one of those subjects that is tricky to dance around mm -hmm. because you are going to find those people that say, I don't want to talk about this. It's yeah. too personal. Um, and a lot of those times where people say it's too personal, it's probably because they think about it a lot. So That's like, if, if it's too personal to talk about, it probably means that they're hurting from it. Yeah. And so be mindful of that. Mm -hmm. Like if stuff comes up around them where, you know, somebody starts talking about adoption around them or something like that, you know, maybe keep an eye on them, maybe yeah. see how they respond to it before you kind of charge in with them and ask them questions. Um, that being said, I love talking about my adoption because I think that more people need to understand it. Sure. I think that um, I think that the more people that understand what can happen to the child, uh, both good and bad, I think the better. I think mm -hmm. that um, you know, I think I think that it can be very difficult for a person to make the choice as to whether or not to share what they're hap what's happening within them. Um, and I think that's true for all trauma, not just adoption. Yeah, I think that ties in with uh, with everything of like. You have to be in a certain mental place in order to be able to talk about what happened. Definitely. Uh, and that mental place may be different day to day. One day you may be cool about it. And the next day you're like, nope, not talking yeah. about this. <laughs> like, like that can totally be a thing. Yeah. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. Like it is okay to be that way. Yeah. That makes you human. Yeah. Giving yourself that space to break. Absolutely. <laughs> and sometimes you need to talk to somebody, right? So maybe that mm -hmm. one day, it's like one day out of 365 days a year, but that one day you want to talk about it with somebody and you go and you talk and then the rest of the year, you're like, nope, that's now yeah. behind me. I've already let it out once. Yeah. And that's fine too. That's the boundary. And that person, that person that you shared it with should feel honored that you shared it with them. Yeah. Um, I'm glad you said that because... I feel honored right now. I really appreciate how open you are. And as long as we've known each other, this is a whole different level of conversation that we've had. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, and I, I just appreciate you trusting me to have this conversation with me. Yeah. Um, I really do. I really appreciate it. Um, these are the conversations I feel like we need to have to free ourselves. I've been reading a lot about um suffering internal suffering mm -hmm. and living with suffering and these are the type of conversations we need to have to make sure that we don't do that absolutely we can have enjoy our space and enjoy being yeah um there is a um Trying to look it up on the fly here. I know that we're live. Um, this is your space. <laughs> there is a book um, that is uh, by C.S. Lewis. I believe it's called The Problem of Pain. Um, problem oh there it is no it's a grief observed that's what it is a grief observed so uh this is by the author c.s lewis which if any of you have uh read um the lion the witch in the wardrobe and all of the chronicles of narnia he's the one that wrote all of them he cool. also wrote a bunch of other books um that are really really good um one of his other ones that I really love is called surprised by joy. Mm. Um, and that's a really good one as well. 
but a grief observed um this this personally brought brought it to mind because um he wrote this book right after a tragic death from of his wife wow and so he goes through this book of all the, the patterns of grief and all of the um just the aches that he feels inside and he just kind of bears his soul within the book um and so i would encourage people to read that just because it shows a glimpse into somebody else's pain so many times we get caught up in our own pain and in our own grief and our own trials. And that's good for us to pay attention to those. But there's a difference between paying attention to them and obsessing over them. Wow. At some point, you have to stand back up. Right. Because if you don't, you're going to be in the ground six months from now. Mm. You got to stand up. Yeah. And so that is something with regardless of what type of trauma we go through, there has to be a healing process because if there isn't some sort of a healing process, you lose your humanity. All you become is bitterness and hatred and depression and sadness and suffering that's all that you are you're a husk of a human mm -hmm. and so you have to find those people that bring you out of that even if it's for an hour a day even if it's for 15 minutes a day okay find that person that for 15 minutes you can go for a walk and say show me things that are beautiful mm. And you see a tree or you see a flower for 15 minutes, you can stay there. Next day, 20 minutes. Next day, 25 minutes. Next day, 30 minutes. Work your way up. It's not an instant process. It's never going to be an instant process to deal with trauma, to deal with hurt or suffering. Yeah. It takes time. So allow yourself to have that time. Because if you don't, you're never going to actually heal. You're going to fake it because <laughs> nobody heals fast. No. Like you get a cut in your hand that doesn't heal overnight. So why should your emotions heal overnight? Exactly. <laughs> like I wish it deeper. did. Yeah. <laughs> I wish it did heal overnight. Like that would be amazing if I could go up to somebody and say, you know what? You're done suffering. You've suffered enough. You're good. <laughs> go on <laughs> no instead what you have to do is you go hey i know you're suffering right now i don't have any words to say but let me sit next to you mm. that's yeah. all you got to do just sit next to him yeah i had a friend my my um my best guy friend in chicago um I guess it was 2019 he found out that his wife of 19 years has been cheating on him oh. and he went into a, went through a divorce um through that divorce we've kind of discovered that he was in this huge it evolved into this huge uh emotional abusive relationship is what his marriage actually was mm. um and like his we found out that his ex-wife had been telling people that, you know, well, Dave is a, he's a guy that doesn't want to talk to anybody and he's a loner and all that and making up lies so that people wouldn't go and talk to him or be with him or whatever. Mm -hmm. And um, she was actually a good friend of mine until this happened too. But, you know, he started going through that. And I can't relate to that. Mm -hmm. You know, I haven't gone through that yeah so what can i say i can't say anything right nothing i say is going to make him believe anything that i say but i can buy him a beer <laughs> and i can sit next to him yeah and so we did like every night mm. not the beer part but i sat next to him every night <laughs> and like i was there and then when that happened when i needed him he was there. Mm. And that's how 
that's how having that bond works. Yeah. Is that like, you don't have to know what to say to someone. And this is, this is another misconception. I think a lot of people have, they say, oh, I see somebody suffering. I wish I could go over and help them. Okay. Go over and help them. Yeah. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to go out of your way for them. You don't have to make them food or spend money on them or any of that. Yeah. You just got to be a person, be a human. And that's important. That's what's truly important is finding that space. Yeah. And I think for me, like being through this adoption process and like having that feeling that kind of structural bond kind of passed me by of me and my birth mother. Mm -hmm. It's made me look for that bond in other people. Mm. And so now when I see somebody suffering or I see somebody going through something, I feel it Mm. much more, I think, than a lot of other people do. Wow. Because I'm looking for that bond to them. And so, um, and so that's something that other people need to think about when you're around somebody. Maybe that person has that same thing where they're like, they're just looking for somebody to invest a bond in. Mm-hmm. And they're looking for that in return. Wow. And that can be one of the hardest things to find. Mm-hmm. because so many people internalize it instead of expressing it mm. but you don't heal until you express it all you do is you bottle it yeah. and that doesn't help anyone that doesn't help you that doesn't help your family that doesn't help your friends if they're truly your friends if they're truly your family they are going to want to bond with you mm-hmm. they are going to want you to express that and if they don't then they can get the hell out of your life <laughs> seriously like you don't have the time for that kind of person yeah none of us do if they are not willing to pull you in and to accept you and to listen to you and to sit next to you you know it's yeah. not worth it. You may only then have a friend pool of two people, <laughs> but at least those two people are going to be loyal and you know for a fact that you can count on them. Yeah. And that's important. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think, I think that Again, too many people gloss over that fact. I would agree. That's so important. Everything you just said was just like, wow, 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 wow. I'm glad we're recording this, right? (laughs) You are so awesome, Ben. I just want you to know that you're You're very awesome. Um, You have such an amazing personality and spirit. And the way you help people and can sit with people like that, that's just, it's beautiful. Like, and it's not even a thought. It's not even a question. It's just something you just initially just do. And I think that's just so important too, because some people think when you've experienced trauma, it looks nasty, you know, like Mm -hmm. you don't have that. And I think it's so important for people to still see how beautiful you can be even while you're handling that trauma, you know? Yeah. And I think the other thing that I would add to that is people can be beautiful through trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, but trauma will also show you the beauty around you. Like it will make you appreciate more. So one of my, uh, one of the comedians that I, I used to watch when I was younger uh, was Gabriel Iglesias. Um, and he's this, uh, uh, he's this Hispanic um, comedian and he calls himself Fluffy. Um, <laughs> but he's, he's great. If anybody hasn't seen him, like he has a few specials on Comedy Central and stuff like that. 
Mm-hmm. But one of the things that like uh, he mentioned in one of his, he mentioned it as a joke, obviously. But there's that moment where, you know, if you uh, aren't looking both ways in traffic and you go to step out on a road and a car like zips by you in like a few inches away. And for a second, you're like, oh, <laughs> and you're like, oh, the sun's so beautiful. The sky's beautiful. The trees are beautiful. Like that's, that's true. How long makes you do that? Like in a greater sense, obviously. Yeah. Right? But you have that one moment of like, oh shit, I almost just like died. Lost I almost my life. That. Yeah. And you're like, oh my God, everything's beautiful now. Like I appreciate mm-hmm. everything so much more. And like, it can do that for you. Yeah. If you let it do that for you, if you let that healing come in. Now, if you're constantly thinking about that trauma and it's constantly just, pounding at you and you don't have that support man I wish I could sit next to you yeah well I think that's important for these type of things too because I once you said that I was thinking like how do you solve that problem when you don't feel like you have anybody what do you do at that point um and I think it's great too because the way that I want to structure my organization is that now to draw it into that (laughs) i want to be that support and anybody like i hope i'm not speaking to um a a forward or speaking for you when i say like if you can find ben i will drop his information absolutely (laughs) on my platform but please reach out to ben as well and anyone that i provide on my platform i'm hoping that they are understanding that now you have signed on <laughs> to yep. be an accountability partner for us all because we all need each other. And you just never know once you open the conversation, how much, because we have different backgrounds on a lot of stuff and a lot of stuff you just heard me, as you can see, I'm like, <laughs> it, it touched me in so many ways. And it's like, wow, you know, so yeah that's important. Like having that space, having those accountability partners and yeah. having that conversation. And I am going to put one more plug out there for an organization that's really dear to me. So yeah. one of the things that happened to me, um, well, it wasn't directly to me, my mother in, uh, I guess it was my junior year in high school, she was diagnosed with cancer. Mm. And so like going through my junior and senior year with her dealing with that and she's, recovered from it and all that she it's been in remission for many many years now um but I watched her go through that and then I've seen my mother-in-law also she um she went through breast cancer um and one of the organizations that I have been a part of and that I also would encourage people to reach out this is purely a, a cancer organization or a cancer support organization but it's called Immerman's Angels uh, and Kia, I'll send you the link after this so that you can post it. But basically what it is, it's a one-on-one cancer support company organization. Um, and they um, pair up, uh, if you have cancer or a specific type of cancer, they'll pair you up with somebody who had that exact type of cancer hmm. and beat it. Wow. So that you can then talk to somebody who went through the exact same thing you did and conquered it that's awesome and so that's another plug that i would definitely plug in because i think cancer is one of those big things within our country within our social circles um that is is a terrifying thing right and it happens and affects so many people Mm -hmm. and so this is something that i would if you know of somebody or somebody in your family deals with cancer have them look up this organization it's been really powerful really helpful um to many many people and it's just like one phone call kind of a thing. You talk to them on the phone, you get assigned to a person, and then you just chat with them. Um, so awesome. But yeah, I think I think organizations like that is important. And that's one of the things where I was thinking initially of this ain't easy, is that like having a list of people that you can go to. And maybe even, I don't want to say specialties, but give them, put next to them like, what are these people most helpful with? Yeah. Right. Cause there'll be, I don't know. I know your story Kia as well, but I would not be a great person to help you with trauma with that. 
I have never been through that and I would never be through that. Yeah. Like I, I could never deal with that, but I can help other people with that. Now, that being said, and this goes back to our broader conversation, that doesn't mean, so for everybody else listening, that doesn't mean that I can't help Kia just because I've never affected or been in her trauma, just because my skin is white doesn't mean that I can't sympathize with the things that are happening in Kia's life. Yeah. Right. I can still sit with Kia. I can be an ally. I can be somebody that says, nope, a woman in the workplace is exactly where she needs to be no matter what. And she's going to fucking beat everything. He does that. I I said, I wasn't going to curse on here. I'm sorry, (laughs) but she can, she can go and do that. (laughs) And that's true. I can be there. Yeah. I can vet for you. And that's how I can support you. Yeah. So it doesn't matter what your skin color is. It doesn't matter what gender you are. It doesn't matter what sexuality you are. It doesn't matter anything like that. If you are a human being, you can be a support for another human being. Yeah. Absolutely. And that, that is true. Now, there are some people that can help more, certainly. <laughs> they can say, I've walked in these shoes. I know what's going on. I know what you're feeling right now because I've experienced it. Yeah. I can't say any of those things, but there are some people who can. Yeah. And so I think that's important too when people reach out to somebody. Sometimes they don't want somebody that's walked in their shoes because they don't want somebody else's opinion. That's totally cool. Mm. But if you do and you're looking for somebody to sympathize with you on that kind of a level, then that's somebody you should look for as well. Yeah. Um, so that is my kind of side note for that is that there is no qualification other than if you're human, you can help another human. But if you are looking for that more of a personal support, if you're looking for that more of a, a personal closeness that comes with having been in the same type of trauma, mm-hmm. then look for that. Find a support group, find a support network. You know, there are many, many, um, many, many places that you can go to find it. So this kind of veers off of my adoption thing a little bit, but one of the things that I dealt with, um, here, if I'm running over on time, you can- No, you're fine, you're fine. Um, <laughs> but one of the other things I would tell people is uh, I suffered with, or I, uh, was diagnosed with um, a like clinical anxiety. So I was getting panic attacks um, like two or three times a day to the point where I was on the floor, uh, like laying on the ground. Kia saw a few of those. Like it was, it was bad. I couldn't get out of the house. I couldn't go anywhere. Um, just straight up panic attacks. Mm. And the support that I found came from the most unlikely place. Mm. And that was Reddit. Wow. Reddit has a ton of support network in it. Find them. You can go. So like there's one for anxiety. There's one for panic attacks. There's a whole bunch for uh, sexuality. There's a whole network there where people just talk to you. And so I went and I posted a thing on Reddit, said what I was going through, said all my symptoms, said I was feeling like I was dying, all of those types of things. I had like six, seven, eight people reach out to me directly in private messages Wow! and say, Hey, let's talk. Wow. And Reddit became that source for me Mm. of like, let's talk this trauma. So there are many places that you can be a part of anonymously. If you Mm -hmm. don't want to go and share who you are and everything like that, that's awesome. That's fine. Be that, but there's still help for you. There's still places you can go to be a part of that where people may not know you, but they know what you're going through. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that's definitely one of the places that I would suggest as well to look for is Reddit has a lot of communities for that. Um, I think that's the main place that I went to was Reddit. I think um, Twitter had a little bit, but Reddit by far had the most um for that kind of stuff but there there's a lot of um there's a lot of like subgroups 
and groups within there uh, and down to like very small details of like certain events. Um, so like one of them was, so like anxiety and panic attacks can be formed in many different ways. So like some are physical panic attacks, some are mental panic attacks. Mm -hmm. um, there's like different styles of panic attacks. Um, but like through Reddit, there's like subgroups, subreddits of the different categories for panic attacks. So you can find people that are having the exact same type of panic attacks you are and talk to them about it. And some people, are just on there. Like I talked to a guy that was like, yeah, I've been dealing with this for 15 years. I'm just on here to help people. Wow. Like, that's awesome. That's super I'm awesome. I'm still on there. I, uh, there was a guy in, uh, uh, where was it? I think he was in uh, England. Mm. And I chatted with him a few times. He was a 17 year old kid and he was afraid to talk to his parents about it because they didn't want him to go to, uh, uh, psychiatrist they didn't mm -hmm. like psychiatrists and he felt like he was on his own and just needed somebody to talk to about it and so every time he had a panic attack he'd message me wow and I was able to talk to him about it I don't know his name mm. I don't know where he lives in England but he, I was there wow and he hit That's me up amazing. and you know it was that kind of that's that's the type of people that are there that there are many people that just want to help yeah um and you'll find that when people are anonymous they want to help a lot more than when they're not anonymous yeah a lot of people don't want to show their face when they help because and this is my personal opinion i think that a lot of people are trying to show that they're tougher on the outside than they really are mm. i think they're dealing with other things some yeah. of them maybe that they don't want the recognition but I think that's probably fewer than people say, thinking, I don't want other people to know that I deal with this. Wow. Anyway, that's a side note. But that being said, Reddit, if you yeah. are looking for a good subgroup or subreddit, look on there, search for what your trauma is. Like I just searched for like anxiety subreddits. Um, there were a lot, like I subscribed to like four or five of them when I initially I uh, got my anxiety and my panic attacks. I'm now on like one. Um, but uh, but it's good to know. And people, one of the other things that is helpful is to know that people are going through the same things you are. Yeah. You're not alone in going through things. And this is another thing with trauma. When you go through trauma, I guarantee you, you are not the first or the last person to go through that trauma. Mm -hmm. You are not alone in it there's a whole community out there who yeah. you may not even be aware of that exists. absolutely but <laughs> if you're not the last person to go through that trauma make sure that you're there to help the people that come after you mm. like don't just yeah hold it because you conquered it mm -hmm. which means that you are stronger than they are right now wow and they need you to get them stronger so that they can help the next generation. Because mm -hmm. trauma doesn't stop. It never will, no matter what it is, whether it's, you know, shootings, whether it's emotional, whether it's physical abuse, whether it's any of that kind of a thing, it's never going to end. Mm. We can work for it to be the end. We can do our damnedest to get it to end. <laughs> but humans suck <laughs> they really do yeah. and so what we can do to make it better is to strengthen the next people and to make them aware of the trauma and awareness of the trauma it's the same thing with awareness with um like racism mm -hmm. or awareness of uh different sexuality types the awareness is what changes things yeah. Right. Or starts that change. Just, uh, let me rephrase that. It does not change anything. Awareness by itself does not change anything. Okay. <laughs> Put that out there. But it starts the thought process. Right. In that change. It okay. starts the conversations. Yes, absolutely. And then after that conversation, then the action can start. Yeah. But if there's not awareness to start that, that action never happens. Yeah. And 
So, you know, that's why it's important to talk about these things. That's why it's important to heal. Like what we talked about earlier, it's important to let yourself heal so that you can bring that awareness to the next mm -hmm. so that it can start hopefully to change. And, you know, I have hope that it will change. I hope that our dumbass country will start to change soon. I'm tired of seeing, I, I mean, I don't even watch the news anymore, but like, I'm tired of seeing all of that. I'm tired of hearing of my friends being frightened. Yeah. I'm tired of hearing of my, my people being discouraged. And I'm tired of hearing of children losing their families, of families losing their children. Yeah. You know? I watched a, uh, I said I don't watch the news. I watched the news the other, I guess it was last week, of one of the shootings in Chicago that, um, was it Chicago? I don't know. There was a 15-year-old girl that got shot by uh, a police officer. Oh, I don't remember <clears throat> when that happened, but yeah. Yeah, I don't think it was Chicago. But like I was reading what her mother said about it. Mm. and you could hear the heartbreak mm -hmm. in her mother's tone like just even from reading you could hear that yeah and no parent should ever go through it. no human regardless of parent no human right. should ever have to go through that yeah and that is something for me that is so hard to see because people go through that trauma and a lot of times they don't have anybody to turn to and they don't know how to make it better. Right. And the answer is, is that it doesn't get better. <laughs> this is a depressing answer, but that type of trauma will remain with that mother for the rest of her life, right? Yeah. But there are those of us that can be allies to her, that can go and support her, that can fight for a cause that is correct yeah. against that system, against this huge wave of racism that we've seen in the last two years. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've seen it much longer than that, but at least these last two years have really spiked. Yeah. I'm talking about. We can fight against that. We can be those supporters that say, not to my people. Yeah. And the more people that say, not to my circle of people, those circles start interlinking. Mm -hmm. They become a giant grid. The more people that say, nope, not to my people. Nope, not to my people. Nope, not to my people. And eventually my people become their person and their person and their person and their person. Mm -hmm. right? And so eventually my people become all people. And that's where it needs to be. But yeah. you start small. You start saying no. That's And you've seen me do this at work. <laughs> no, you're not going to be treating Kia like that. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> And you start small like that. And then eventually, if I see that happening to somebody else, I'd be like, no, you ain't doing that to that person. I don't know who the hell that person is, but you ain't doing it to them either. Exactly. Right? <laughs> like, and that grows. Mm -hmm. And that's the cycle that we need to start. That's yeah. the cycle that we need to build is that cycle of protection. Yeah. Of finding those people that sit next to you in trauma and finding those people that sit next to you when you're needing that support. And then also finding those people that say, uh-uh, not on my watch. Yeah. And those are the people that you should be friends with. Mm -hmm. Those are the people that you should be hanging out with. Those are the people that you know got your back 24-7. Yeah. And that's important. That's important. Especially in this day and age. You know what's also, which may be a, maybe a different conversation we're going to have to have, 
but navigating when you get let down absolutely (laughs) when you expect it that got another two hours (laughs) (laughs) i got got some stuff to say about that too i know we do i'm gonna make a note (laughs) right now that we're gonna have a side chat about that what do you do when you let you down yeah when you kind of expected that to happen what do you do about the expectation first off is it a is it a legit expectation or is it something that you made up in your mind and then what do you do with still well determining because this always to me what I'm navigating right now is that thin line of understanding forgiveness or letting you go or if it blends together, if you know what I mean. Because, you know, sometimes it's one of those things like you were a human, you had this going on, you had stress, you were, you had all these things going on. But then at the same time, you have that moment where uh, I got that you had that going on, but that was a complete break of my boundary and unforgivable and I have to let you go. So my two minute thoughts on this. Yeah. This is definitely a larger conversation. and. You may have to cut out some stuff from this conversation already. <laughs> but my two-minute thought on this. Right. Okay. So this goes back to my upbringing. Okay. So I was brought up, my, my adopted father, he was a uh, uh, Reformed Baptist pastor for the first part of my life. Now he's an Anglican priest. Long story. I don't know. Um, so I was brought up in the church. Mm-hmm. that was like my whole life right some things i agree with other things uh at least with him some things i agree with for the most part i i do i am a follower of of jesus it's one of my who i am my beliefs that's not for everyone yeah okay um but one thing that's true for everyone, okay, that was ground into me when I was a kid. Mm. Asking forgiveness for something is a turning from something. Mm-hmm. In order to be, in order to ask for forgiveness, it doesn't mean that you're not going to fuck up again. Because right. we all are going to but it means that you're going to do everything that you possibly can to turn away from the thing that you have to ask forgiveness for. Mm. So if I have to go to you and I have to say, Kia, I messed up. I need you to forgive me. I did this, this, and this. If I come back to you two weeks from now, Kia, I did the exact same thing that I asked forgiveness two weeks ago. I need you to forgive me for this again. <laughs> two weeks later. So that <laughs> thing that I asked you like four weeks ago, I need to do this again. Yeah. I'm not really asking forgiveness. I'm pacifying you. Right. That's what I'm doing. Okay. I'm trying to get by. I'm trying to still do what I want to do. And I know that it pisses you off. So I'm going to ask forgiveness just so that you're happy with me. And then I'm going to go back and I'm going to do it again. (laughs) Which if anybody's in a relationship like that, we need to have talk. Okay. (laughs) But second, that's not, that's not asking forgiveness Mm -hmm. because that person doesn't mean it. So that's the difference, right? If yeah. a person goes to you and messes up or lets you down, doesn't follow through any of those things. And you're like, okay, first time I can deal with this. Okay. Yeah. I don't need to block that out. We can accept it. I can forgive. I can go forward. Mm-hmm. Okay. Forgiving is forgetting. Right. Okay. If that person keeps doing that. They're not doing it. Yeah. They're not, they're not, at, they're not really sorry yeah. for doing it. Actually, it's two things. Either they're not sorry for doing it or they don't care about you. Mm. And they're going to do it anyway. Yeah. Which I guess is they're not sorry for it. (laughs) Ultimately, right? Ultimately. (laughs) But they're not going to care. Yeah. And that's when you say, okay, I need to cut ties. Mm -hmm. It's when that person firmly shows that they don't give a damn. Mm -hmm. Right? Because they keep doing it. They know that it's going to affect you. They know when they're doing it that they're going to have to ask you for forgiveness. Mm-hmm. They're going to do it anyway, which means they don't care. 
Yeah. They don't give a shit. So you don't need that. Yeah. And that's the line. For me, that's the line, at least. Yeah. If a person comes to me once, even twice, and says, look, man, I messed up, but I am trying. Mm-hmm. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, man. What can I do to help you not do this again? What can I be? <laughs> can I be an accountability partner for you to not to help you through this? Yeah. You know, be that support for them. They come back to you three, four, five times. Dude, you know, I'm sorry. You keep doing this. Clearly, this is something that you really want in your life. And that's fine. That's you. But like, I can't have that in my life right now. Yeah. I'm done. Yeah. And that's okay. That's okay to do that. Mm-hmm. I've done that. It sucks. It's yeah. like breaking up with somebody. It sucks doing that. <laughs> it right? does. But I guarantee you after you do it, mm-hmm. you're going to go. Yep. You're going to be fine. Mm-hmm. And you're going to feel better. And you're going to be stronger because you did it. Yeah. And yeah, you may miss that person from time to time. You may be like, oh, I have that really good memory. And that's cool. Hold on to that memory. It's yeah. a good thing. Memories are good. Okay. Memories, in my mind, if you can remember something, it means that it's there for a reason. If you can't remember it and your mind blocked it, it's because it was too traumatic for your brain to handle. But if you can remember it, it's there to either make you stronger or it's there to make you happy. Yeah. And it's your choice to figure out which one that is. Yeah. So, so do that, right? So like, that's the line. Is this person really caring about me? Mm-hmm. think about it ask that question you know and and then act on it don't right. be afraid to act on it the other thing that we do need to talk about at some point or you need to have somebody on the show talk about is personal inflicted trauma because that self, is a whole nother self sabotage <clears throat> no self uh Self-abuse, not physical self-abuse, self-mental abuse. That is a good Well, self-physical abuse as well, but self-mental abuse is something that's huge to think about. So that brought that up to me too. Wow. Um, But yeah, no, that for me, that's the line. Is this person actually caring about me? Yeah. At least enough to not keep having the same conversation about how you're pissing that, me off. <laughs> well, and that can be family members too. Yeah, that's really the hardest part, navigating that regardless of the relationship. Mm-hmm. You, No one gets a pass. <laughs> Absolutely, no one does. They are not living your life. Yeah, You have to live your own life. Mm-hmm. There is enough people out in this world that wants to get to know you and want to love you that you don't need those two people that shit on you every day say that again where's the snaps (laughs) there is enough people out in the world that want to love you that you don't need those two people shitting on you every day Mm -hmm. and it's crazy i love you whoever's watching this (laughs) i love you too yeah you're so awesome ben like this conversation is even better than I had expected it to be, <laughs> first off. <laughs> You're in my conversations. We always go places that are so awesome, and I always enjoy them. They do. And obviously, we're going to have some more because you just gave given me at least five other topics that we're going to have to talk about. <laughs> yeah. And um, my good friend, Al Summers, um, who was on one of my last videos, he's also adopted. He was working today, so he wasn't able to join, but I would love to put you guys in a conversation together. Absolutely. I'm going to be- Because each person's different within that. Yeah. And I would love to kind of hear you, both of you guys' experiences about how you dealt with that. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm going to be making that connection real soon and sending that out um, to have that conversation. 
no, I am more than happy to be on your show whenever you'd like to. It's been truly an honor to be on here. Uh, thank yeah. you for doing that. Thank you, everybody, for listening to my long <laughs> spiels. Um, that was awesome. But yeah, it's it's important to find those people. And so, uh, Kia, I give you major props for you know starting this organization that enables people to find those people. Thank you. Um, and that is something that's really exciting. And I think the world really needs more of. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you for all of your support. Like Ben is work husband for anybody that doesn't know. <laughs> yep. Been around a yeah. while. <laughs> I really appreciate all of your support. Um, we're going to go ahead and end it here. But again, like I have so much stuff that I'm going to be sending you. Make sure you send me the things about Emerson's Angels, if I said that correctly. Yep. Um, and I'm going to be sharing all of your contact details and whatever you cool. want me to share, of course. Um, and I Absolutely. will have it listed for everyone to find. And again, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. All righty. <laughs> all right.